Welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. Thank you for allowing us to read your word right now, Father. Thank you for that. I pray that our hearts will conform to you and what you want, the ways you want them, and not our own ways. God, we love you and we pray in your name. Amen. Um, So 1 Timothy chapter 5. You can go ahead and turn over there. We're about halfway through. If if you need to go back and... and, uh, uh, we've been obviously going through First uh, Timothy, you know, very methodically. Um, there's a reason behind that. It's not because, um, you know, I'm not creative, although I'm not creative. Um, but we're really like going through the Bible the way the Bible's supposed to be gone through. And uh, I like topical sermons as well as the next guy. Um, but one of the things that hopefully we all are equipped with is how to handle God's word. And and the word is, you know, we have. Uh, God's expressed word in this book right here, and uh, it's in it's in books, in whole books for a reason. And so, hopefully, um, these will be things that we take with us. Okay, and 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 my hope isn't um, that there's just these these um, sporadic, like okay, you heard chapter one, and then there's a disconnect in chapter two. But but my hope really, and and I mean this, that we would take this seriously, is that we really of each book of the Bible, just an overview of being able to go through and go, oh man, I can, I can walk you through chapter one and two and three and four and five. I, can, I see how that's going. And, and the reason why that's valuable is because that's the way that this really gets written on our hearts. Really how it happens is, is it isn't just this idea of every, we get a little bit each week, but this, this does take training. Remember, we read about that the other day, is train yourself to be godly. Like, like there has to be some intentionality to training, okay? Is, is if you're lifting weights or if you're doing something, if you just go into the gym and, and don't do much, then you really aren't training, right? If you're out on the track, you're really not training if you're just kind of walking around, okay? If you're training for a musical class, you're not doing much training if there isn't some specificity to some exercises that are going on, right? And so, again, that's part of this. And I, if there's one thing, when I look back, if there's one thing I wish I would have really paid more attention to was that, was the idea that, that um, right, is, is every day there's a training that we have. To, we've got to train ourselves to be godly in the Word. And that takes memorization and meditation and that takes us going back and it takes a little bit of time to do that Um, but it's so important because we get this whole idea here as Paul writes to Timothy Timothy's just this young evangelist that he's writing to who's leading a church in Ephesus okay and and he's trying to give him a hand and help him out right there and here's the interesting thing in chapter one this is one of those things hopefully we're keeping in mind he's telling timothy i want you to go to ephesus and i want you to teach there's teachers there they're not teaching the right thing 
Okay, they're, they're, the doctrine is being shifted around. And I don't mean salvation doctrine. I mean just the teachings of Jesus are not being taught correctly. Okay, and, and he tells them, go and challenge those people. Go and, and, and train and teach the church. Okay, and he says this in chapter one, the goal is love. Okay, understand something. He's not sending Timothy in to start a fight. That's not what he's doing. And sometimes it's very easy to read into that. He goes, no, no, the goal is love. So what does that mean? It's, it's fairly simple, okay? This is, we're like in the holiday season, okay? I, we're getting close to Christmas. I like Christmas cookies. If I were to go ahead and take some mix and put some things together, the goal would be a good Christmas cookie at the end, okay? If I did everything and I thought I was doing the right thing and what came out at the end was, you know, Something not a Christmas cookie, okay? Whatever. Think of whatever is not a Christmas cookie, okay? You, you would go, man, that's not what my goal was. It's coming out something different. So that should tell us something. So remember, our goal is this, is as he told Paul, the goal in teaching the right thing, the goal in calling others to teach the right thing is love. The end goal is, is God's love, not the world's love, right? And so... Anyway, he's telling Timothy that, and he says there are actually blasphemers in the church. There are people who are just completely blaspheming God's name, but he reminds them. He said, but, but Timothy, don't forget something. I was once a blasphemer, okay? I know sometimes it can get very, you know, we can go, oh, man, we got to get after that. Absolutely. But also, Paul is reminding him, but don't, listen, those blasphemers that are there, I was one of those guys at one point. We can come to repentance. Okay, and so he's, he's really guiding and shepherding Timothy along. Now, he's not saying they will come to repentance, but he does remind them this, right? And then as he goes on, as, as Paul's teaching this to Timothy, he goes on, and, and then he kind of scopes back a little bit, and he's talking about the church, and he says, Church, I want you to be a church that prays always for everything and for everyone. That's what I want you to do. And, and he says to the women, he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be modest. I want you to stop trying to compete and be authoritarian. Stop trying to become the leader. Stop trying to do those things. You've lost your focus. Man, you're sitting on your hands. You're not praying. You're not leading. Okay, so he's, he's got quite an idea of how the Ephesian church needs to be changed, right? Is there was a lot going on. And essentially, he's telling them that the Ephesians church viewpoint was not God's viewpoint. Everybody was so busy seeing things and how they wanted to see them. The women were seeing things a certain way. The men were seeing things a certain way. The church wasn't praying. He's like, hold on a minute. Let's bring it on back and get our view equal in, in what God's view is supposed to be. Right? He goes in, but he says, here's the interesting thing. This is what a healthy family needs. A healthy family needs Older men to lead and to set an example. Those who are tried and true, honorable men who have been seen as faithful, right? And he goes through and he talks about this idea of let's watch their families, see how they interacted and raised their families. But this is what a church needs. This is what healthy families need, okay? And and so he, you know, we, we're talking. We've talked about that, about this idea of elders and deacons and 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 overseers of the church and all of these different kinds of things. And he's going, man, this is the way that, as he's giving us an idea of what church should, church family should look like. He's he's painting that for the Ephesians. He's going, man, this is how it should should look. And he's talked to everybody, men and women in the church, and who should be leading the church, and all of these different things. He tells. 
Timothy, no matter what, even if people aren't listening to you, even if they won't listen, keep preaching, keep teaching, keep reading the Bible out loud. You know, they didn't have this kind of Bible, right? But hey, keep reading the Word of God. Keep reading this. Don't stop, even if you see people rejecting it, because he said that was foretold a long time ago, is that people would come in contact with the gospel and reject it, Right? And then we move on in, and, and last week we started right there um, where he, well, and, and just before that he told Timothy, he said, make sure you do something, Timothy, is train yourself to be godly, set an example to the believers, okay? Is this idea of, of Paul bringing him back and going, hey, it's one thing, and I'm telling you, like, this is how I'm trying to, like, help this church, like, really come under the lordship of Jesus, but he's like, Timothy, don't forget something, okay, is you aren't just this guy that's, like, telling everybody what to do because they've got all these problems. He's going, no, no, train yourself to be godly. Set an example, right? So he's, he's reminding Timothy that, hey, being a leader isn't your identity in a church, Okay, it's really, really important to understand. It's really, because there, there are going to be those sitting in here, you're, if you're not a leader, you will be a leader maybe at some point. But one of the most dangerous things that happens is we begin to see ourselves in our identity as a leader rather than as a disciple. Okay? And, and that idea of t- him reminding Timothy, don't forget, man, you're a disciple. And then he said, here's how I want you to interact with the church family as a church family member. Okay? Not, not as the preacher, not as the pulpit minister. Not, no, no, part of the family. Okay? If an older man needs to be exhorted, do that like he's your own father. And older women as mothers and younger women as sisters in complete purity. And, and he's, he's just reminding us as he's doing this of the, the, just how important it is that this is a true family. Okay? And, he's, and we talked last week um, in that family of taking care of widows. Right, the widows who are tried and true, faithful widows. Over, he's saying there's a ministry of faithful widows over 60 that don't have anyone in their families to help them, and the church should be their security. Okay, and we read about a number of different things too. Okay, we read we we, we went through that last time, but now we're picking up here in verse 17. Okay, First uh, Timothy 5 verse 17. We're going to read it to the end here. Okay, so it says this: the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, don't muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's brought by two or three witnesses. Those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that others may take warning. I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. Don't be hasty in the laying on of hands and don't share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. The sins of some men are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious and even those that are not cannot be hidden. Okay, so let's just let's go through this. And, and again, I'm just going to kind of share this from the beginning. What's, what's really important about this is not to read this and go, oh, none of these things pertain to me. All right. It, it just because when you're a part of a family, everything pertains to us. 
okay? So, you know, when we talk about parenting, or we talk about marriage, or we talk about family, or we talk about widows, or we talk about elders, or we talk about whatever that is, it's pertinent to every single one of us to understand how does this family work? Because here's the internet, here's what's the truth. Okay, we, we aren't just a group of individual people. There, there's two things that are vitally important to understand. Is in the church, there is a connection that is absolutely real through the Holy Spirit. That is absolutely real. There's no, it's not a feeling. It's not any one of those. There's a connection that is much stronger than we oftentimes respect it being. Okay, but then there's another side of it is, is we truly are a group of emotional beings. Okay, and what I mean by that is when you put a group of emotional people together, everyone begins to affect everybody else. We all have a responsibility to one another. We all do because we all are affecting one another. We're affecting one another with our attitudes and our moods and our emotions and our faith, our faithfulness and our faithlessness. Okay, and so there's that idea of you know, as, as we come together here of understanding, okay, let me, let me lock in here and really get this idea of what is Paul having Timothy hear, okay? What does he want him to hear? Let me turn this on real quick. So he says in verse 17, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of a double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching, okay? Here's the interesting thing. That word, it's worth paying attention to, okay? As you said, the elders, that's a different word than from chapter 3, okay? And so in chapter 3, he's talking about a shepherd. He's talking about somebody who is, who is a shepherd of the church, okay? It, that's a, a specific place, a specific ministry, a specific office that you're appointed to, okay? This word right here that he's talking about, he's talking more of church leadership, okay? Th this is what he's saying here. He's using this word, okay? And it's not young leader either, okay? It's mature, but it's church leadership. It's a broader view of this. And so he says, um, the elders who direct the affair, the church leaders, uh, well, are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scriptures say, don't muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Don't entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's brought by two or three witnesses. Those who, uh, those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that others may take warning. So we have this little thing right here where he's going, I want to talk about church leaders. Okay. And again, whether you're a church leader or you're not a church leader, I'm obviously a church leader. Okay. There are other church leaders as well. And there will be hopefully more and more church leaders. But it's really important because I think it can call into some of our goofiness in our own brains Okay, when it comes to this. This, just reading this may have made some of you a little bit, like, angry. It, it, it may have. You're like, oh, man, okay, so we're supposed to just honor church leaders and do all these kind of things. L let's just kind of, let's help self-diagnose ourselves. Here's some traps we can fall into. When we read something like this where they said, no, your church leaders who are faithful in preaching and teaching are worthy of double honor. Okay? And, and you go, man, this, this uh, boy, I don't know how I feel about this. Where's this going, okay? Well, first and foremost, we have to repent of something. Every one of us all, it, our culture has to be one that leadership is not a bad word. It can't be. 
Okay? It can't be like, no, don't tell me what I'm going to do and don't tell me all that. No, no, no. We've got to stop the cynicism and all those kind of things and get serious about leadership in God's church. Okay, and that's a super, I know, it's totally against, you know, college kids don't like it, adults don't like it, kids don't like it, okay? But it's this idea of as long as this is, then we're not going to be really in the will of God, okay? Here's the other trap, okay? My past experiences determine my present circumstances. Meaning, man, I had a bonehead leader at some point, so all leaders are boneheads. And I'm going to treat them as such. Okay, man, I wish that happened more rarely than it does. I really do, man, you know. And that doesn't mean that what somebody else did was right at all. Okay, but listen, on, on the scale of just fairness, right, none of us would want to be judged on the past experience of somebody else. Okay, but, but this is one of those things, right? This is, and, and I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know. I'm just trying to help kind of bring it out. There, there can be this trap we fall into when we kind of have a cynical view of leadership and church appointment, right? Of, of that there are leaders that are appointed in God's church to think that anyone can do what they're doing. Like those dudes were just too dumb to, they just were dumb enough to volunteer to do what they're doing. I mean, believe me, this is, this is really common, is, man, anybody could do that. I just don't want to do it. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. And so it's just kind of like, man, I don't, the church leaders, man, they're just, you know, nothing special about those guys. We, we could do what they're doing. I can't read that all the way back there. I don't like honor. I don't like what the Bible's telling me to honor someone, but I want accountability. See, this passage brings both, okay? But we can't just kind of cherry pick it either and go, man, I don't like it. Man, I don't want my church leader to get a big head. I don't want church leadership to feel like they're doing anything right. I, I came into the ministry when, here's the deal. Man, you, you like worshiped the church leader, all right? I mean, couldn't do it. I mean, just, it, was, it was not the right way to do it, okay? And then I got in like right on the edge of that. To where what happened after that was everybody wants to let the church leader know they don't do anything right. And I'm going to let you know. Okay? And it happens consistently. Like, I will let you know that. Okay? And so this is something as a church we can fall into. Okay? I mean, I, I absolutely appreciate it. I, I love the support and the love that we have, me and Abby do, of our brothers and sisters here. But we'd be naive to think that there isn't some of this going on either. Okay? And we just got to be really honest about that. Okay? Um, but here's the interesting thing. He says this. Don't entertain an accusation without two or three witnesses. Okay? I appreciate that. Okay? But, they said, if that accusation is true and they are in sin, rebuke them publicly. All right. Now, now, some of you might have been going, I like the honor part. I may want to, you know, be a leader. again. This is kind of nice. I'm going to come up. Whoa. Public rebuke. Yes. Most churches go haywire on too much on one or the other. Right. E either too much like honor and they can't do anything right ever or, or they can only do right and never do wrong. Or the idea of they can do anything right. 
And we should publicly rebuke them anyway. Right? It, the, the point in this, and, and I understand that this can be complex, because he's not giving us like a list of how we're supposed to do this, but he's really like bringing out our hearts in this, is we need to find out, okay, Paul, why are you writing this? Why is this important? And how can I be conformed to this? All right? Because here's the truth of the matter is, is, is I may be a church leader. Here's what I do know about God. All right? Is God appoints people in leadership, and you're in leadership sometimes, and sometimes you step out of leadership, and sometimes, you know, there's all of these different things, okay? And so I'm not saying that as somebody who's just, man, I'm going to ride the pulpit until I can't walk anymore, okay? Is, is my hope is, is there's going to be somebody to come and take, a young person to come and take my place here soon, because I want to sit and be under the leadership as well, Okay? And you want to know what? Some of you are going to move and leave and do all these different things. You're going to be under leadership, okay? And this is still the heart that we have to have, all right? I'm not talking about just present day. I'm talking about we're equipped. This is how disciples are. Everywhere it's meant to be that way, okay? And so there's this idea of that, okay, of just there's honor and accountability in church leadership, okay? So he goes on, though, and he says, um, verse 17, the elders of the uh, don't muzzle an ox. Um, I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and, and the elect angels to keep these instructions. He says, without partiality and to show no favoritism. All right. Now, we're, we're digging deep. I mean, these are some kind of painful things that I'm just relying on us. OK, and, and, and that I hope you're relying on me to be digging this stuff out, too. Uh, these are those kind of very deep things that may never get touched on. OK, like, you know, what is your attitude towards leadership? What is your attitude towards accountability? What is your attitude? What's your attitude towards partiality and favoritism? Because he says, Timothy, don't do anything through partiality. Here's what's tough about that is generally when I'm not getting my way, I think they're playing favorites with whoever, um, whoever else is in the, in the picture, okay? Is that accurate to say? I mean, my kids are kind of like that, right? Is the idea, that's what makes this tough and, and going, no, 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 but Keith, people always play favorites against me. Man, I don't know. I, I don't know, right? But, but they're kind of digging into those places. If we're not really honest with ourselves, we're going to go astray on this. And we're going to be, man, a a family that's partial and playing favorites is a really dysfunctional family. And we probably all grew up in families that played that game, okay? There probably was an aspect of that in every single family of origin that we came from, okay? Is this kind of manipulative attitude, okay? But here's the interesting thing. Turn over to Leviticus 19, okay? We're going back to just how to be holy here. Um, if you're ever, ever, ever concerned that God in the Old Testament is not about love and relationship, all you have to read is Leviticus 19. Okay, that's it. Okay, it will prove you uh, in the wrong direction, okay? Uh, It's all about love. It's all about loving your neighbors. It's all about these things. Verse 15, though, of Leviticus 19, don't pervert justice Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Okay? If you're taking notes, Romans 2, chapter 11, I mean, Romans 2, verse 11, okay, um, it says God, he's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, and he says God doesn't show favoritism. God himself doesn't show favoritism. 
But before we go further, though, I, I want you to get that feeling inside that you get. And I know what that feeling feels like, too. When there's partiality. Someone you like that you want to stick up for, whether they're right or they're wrong. Okay, because there's a feeling in there and that feeling can become very strong. Okay, but it becomes combative against brothers and sisters because it's 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 this idea of going, I'm not going to be fair. I have certain brothers that are going to be right and certain brothers and sisters that are going to be wrong. Okay, and so we read Romans two in James chapter two. You can go and read that as well. He talks about the idea of not having favorites, of not favoring. Man, if somebody comes into the church or you're gathering or something who's rich and powerful and influential. I mean, this was a thing, right? Is there's churches that have like VIP rooms. Isn't that crazy? I didn't know that until a few years ago. And I didn't, not because I was invited in, okay? <laughs> I tried to get in and they were like, no, you, you can't come in here, okay? And I'm going, v VIP rooms in a church? You, you mean people go to a church? I, I'm by that. I mean, there are very few things that completely throw me off. But I'm like, you mean people bring their families to a church? There's a VIP room? You mean there's people in the congregation that are going to be treated special because they're important people? Hmm. It's interesting. That's fascinating, you know. Uh, it, it, there's, there's partiality there, right? I mean... Um, man, you, you know, it, it'd be great. I don't know. I mean, think of people who you think are really awesome. I mean, I've been in churches where professional athletes and all these people are part of the churches and they're like almost treated as like they're that next level. <laughs> you know, like there's disciples and y'all are cool. And, and what we say is they can reach so many people. Except it's fascinating because I almost never see that. That's what's fascinating to me, okay, is that we can inherently be, have this partiality of this instead of going, hold on a minute. In my experience, it's been people who you would never pay attention to, and they are changing lives. But we don't ever, there's no, hey, watch, come on down here, Mr. Nobody. Okay, we have this, why do I say that? It's built in. Okay, this idea. But it comes, there's a few different things, okay? There can be different kinds of favoritism and partiality. One is, I'm partial because I like you. I like you, so I'm partial. So whenever there's a conflict, whenever something comes up, you get like 70% of my, you know, off the bat support, okay? But maybe it's because, man, you really perform well as a, as a disciple. Like, man, don't get on that, brother. Don't get on that, sister. Do you see how many people they bring to church? Like, come on, man. Yeah, no, no. That's partiality. That's favoritism. We can't because they're performing well, right? We can't be partial because life has been hard for you. This is emotionally a little bit more difficult, okay? But there can't be partiality. Oftentimes, that's what we look at is if life has been really good for you, then we aren't going to be partial to you. That can be an opposite thing, right? And so just consider this. I'm throwing it out there for us to kind of dig into here. Um, I'm partial or I'm favored just because I'm, I'm the champion of the underdog. 
If you're the underdog, you're right. Okay? We, we've got to look at this because this is a serious thing because what happens is, is there comes, becomes combativeness among brothers and sisters. He says, don't do it. Timothy, I'm telling you, do these things without partiality. Do these things without showing favoritism. Um, don't be hasty in the laying on of your hands, okay? So um, he said, what does that mean? In appointing leaders. Don't be hasty. Hey, hey, Timothy, I told you what leaders should be like. Don't be hasty in doing that. Time will tell. In fact, he goes on and he says, don't be hasty. And he tells him, stop drinking only water. The water's horrible. Use a little wine. You've got a stomach issue. Yeah, okay. The sins of some men are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious, and even those that are not cannot be hidden. He's like, hey, you want to know what? There are things that are obvious, and there are some things that will come out over time. Right? Listen, don't be hasty. There are some fast starters, man. There, there are some folks, man, immediately when you first meet them, or you see them, or you hear about them, you're like, dude, you're a leader. Give it time. Okay, because you want to know what? There's some other. Oh, man, they would never be a leader, I don't think. And they're just chugging along, man, just chugging along. And you're going, hey, don't be hasty. Timothy, don't be hasty on this. But time will tell. Take a look. Okay, is is I've, I've done this. Golly, I'm so I hated that I've done this for so many years. Okay, is and, and, I, and I don't even know who brought it to my attention. Um, but one of the ways that I would personally like encourage people would be like, one day you'll be a leader. That's an immense amount of pressure to put on somebody. That's not fair. Okay? That's not fair. It pushes people into a place where they have to hide if they, if they aren't displaying some kind of leadership principles. And I'm not about, I'm not against like being able to go, man, here are some really great things that I could see potentially, but man, I'm telling you, I use that as a form of encouragement. Okay, it wasn't fair. It wasn't healthy. It's just, hey, man, it's okay to love one another and not have to commission everybody a leader. Being a leader doesn't make you, it's not a better disciple. It's not a more important disciple. It's not any of those things, okay? It's a role that God's called people to, all right? And so here's this little section right here. Here's what's interesting about this is we're being asked even, looking 2,000 years later, the interesting thing is, is that the church expectations haven't changed, okay? So 2,000 years later, we're still expected to be forming ourselves this way. We're still expected to do these things. We're still expected to love one another the same and honor one another as we're told. We're, we're still, those things are the same, all right? And so the, the issue isn't that we just take in information about this stuff and go, oh man, we learned some information today about church leaders. We learned some information about, uh, you know, publicly rebuking them. We learned some information about not being hasty, laying your hands on people. We learned, no, no, no. The, the goal isn't information. The goal is us, all of us, moms, dads, kids, parents, everybody's going, how are we going to grow and conform into this, right? That's the thing. It's not information. And all of us are part of the problem and part of the solution, so that's the good thing, is we all are, are participating in this, okay? We all are part of this. So they haven't changed over time, okay? But, but we have developed a strong case of spiritual ADD. What do I mean by that? Okay, is um, many people watched college football yesterday, okay? If you were to watch your team's the game, 
okay? And let's say you watch the game and, and your offensive line and your quarterback, they look like they were going okay, but your wide receivers, they were raking something, like five yards back. They had rakes, okay? And then you had, you know, another position group, the running backs, that he's like, you know, like sharpening his cleats or something like that. Like clearly there's things going on that's like, do you not know we're all going that way? <laughs> like we would think that's the weirdest thing in the world. We would think we're losing our minds if we turned on the TV and saw that, you know. Or you see a couple, the running back, the two running backs, the other 20 yards back. Like, what the heck is wrong with you? Dude, do you not know where we're going? All right, so we, we take it for granted in the world that, that our teams are going to be on the same page because, hey, the goal, man, we want to score. Okay, that's in sports. The interesting thing is, is I think as disciples, we forget the direction we're going. <laughs> okay? And, and understand something is it isn't, hopefully you're not waiting for a singular person to keep telling you over and over and over again, okay? Is if the quarterback had to keep telling the wide receiver, oh, no, dude, I, I mean, you're just, what's wrong with that guy? Why can't the receiver get on the same page? Why can't the offensive line do these things, okay? So here it is. I, I'll have it for you right here. Just look closely. That's it. Can you read it? I'll make it a little bit better. <laughs> Man, I is he even up there? Let's help you out a little bit. John 17. I'm not praying only on their behalf, but also on behalf of those who believe in me through their testimony that they will be one just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. I pray that they will be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I want you to notice something about this, all right? Is in our, in our world, in, in our church culture even, um, that we talk about, man, we want the church, and I, and I share this too, I want like three kinds of diversity in the church, socioeconomic, racial, right, and generational. Okay, that's a step too low, all right? God doesn't settle for diversity, God's goal is unity, that they would be one. Not that they would be a bunch of people who are all different, but that they would be in me one. And so one of the things that, that I fear is that we sometimes can become kind of the football team where we're going, man, we're going in this direction, and no, but I'm doing this, but you don't understand. They, over here they need some, I, you know. And we don't realize Jesus' own prayer. He's like, the world has to see that, that we're not diverse, but unified. Not just different, but the same, together. That I'm in them. So that means everything we do when we're at home and when we're at work and when we're at play, when we're all these things, no matter what it is, is the world seeing Christ in us. That, that's really helpful. If you just want a very simple kind of way to live in, in this moment, at this time, right now, is, is, is the world seeing Christ in me. That, that 
boy, I'll tell you what, that, that changes oftentimes what I do in a day and how I decide to do things in a day. I pray that they will be in us so that the world will believe. So here's the, here's the implication that when the world believes that you sent me, they're going to come and follow me. <laughs> it's not just like so people can go, man, that church is really neat. Well, I think God sent Jesus. Mm -mm. Of going, that's where I want to go. And they tend to be, what's strange about that is that it will be going against the current. That's what people are going to, because the thing about it is, is Jesus isn't just going with the current of our culture. Okay? And so it's this idea of being absolutely zeroed in to conform to this, right? And so that's where John 17 plugs right into any section of the Bible that we're called to. That's where John 17 comes in, in a much greater form even, but just this one little area of we're not just being asked to be a great organization. We're not being asked to, we're, we're not like joining some place that people can look over your shoulder and make sure you're doing the right thing and all those things. We're, we're here so the world will know. Not because we're good, but Christ in us. And that will govern how we interact with one another. That'll govern the truth that we share with each other and the grace we share with each other. That will govern it. That, that will happen, okay? But here's, there's some things, okay? And here's the interesting thing is, though, as a church community, to be conformed to His Word. Here's the interesting thing. Being conformed is difficult if you're not connected. Being connected is different than being sticky. I like watching trains go by. Why, why do I say this? It's because, man, church culture today is, is more about being sticky than connected. Okay? If you were to tell me those trains are held together by double-sided tape, I'd be like, those things are going to come apart at some point. They ain't staying. Okay? Being connected is different than being sticky. All right? If there was one thing I would share with our church, we're too sticky. All right? The trains are connected because they ain't coming apart. All right? The trains are going to go off the track. They're together. Like, you are not pulling me apart. Okay? And I get it. I know. There's something inside of some of you that are going, but the train sometimes comes apart. Listen, man, no, no illustration is perfect, okay? But I just want to, like, let Satan go with that one, okay? But, but truthfully, is that, that would be the thing, my hope and my prayer, is it's when you're sticky, it's kind of like, you know, you can unstick things and go stick somewhere else. And I'm kind of here and I'm kind of not here. And I'm kind of with you when I'm here, I'm with you, and when I'm not, I'm not with you. All right. Listen, here's the interesting thing. As a community, and what's fascinating is oftentimes when I'm just sticky, I'm the most critical. Like, you know what's wrong with that church? You know what's wrong with those guys? Well, please come and help it be better. Okay? Stickiness doesn't make it better. Being connected does. Being a part of the solution does. We can't conform. But I'll take this back. Is People who are connected will conform to Jesus. When we're just sticky, we are always going to be disappointed in the community. 
we're always going to be kind of out there. Why don't I have close relationships? Why don't I have close friends? Why don't I have these things? Why don't I do this? Or those guys in there are so goofy or whatever it is. But being connected is different than that. But here's the interesting thing. When we're only sticky, we don't seek first the kingdom. Okay, and that's the one thing that I want to like let the beacon flash in front of us, okay? Just like John 17 gave us a framework of decision-making and how we live, Matthew 5 or Matthew 6, when he says, don't worry, seek first the kingdom, he literally meant in every decision. He literally meant in every part of your life. Like, no, no, seek first the kingdom of God. And again, a lot of this stuff is like, I don't want that. All right. Then my encouragement is then you've got to go find a group that wants something else. Right. The the goal isn't just to have people sitting in here. That's not the goal. The goal is for the world to see and go. Christ is in them. And look at they're diverse, but they're unified in Christ. They're together in Christ. They're serious about this. This idea of seeking first the kingdom of God. So here's some thought questions. You can write them down and take them with you, okay? I set aside time throughout the week to pray and meditate on God's word for the purpose of being conformed to his ways. You know, again, you write them down. You can answer them in your own time. I don't have a set answer in my head. I am uh, an open and encouraging part of my family group. The vehicle of our church is family group. That's where where discipleship is put into practice. That's where I'm known and I know others. It's worthy of sacrifice. It's worthy of being put ahead of other things, okay? I am an open and encouraging part of my family group. I read and study the word together with those who are in my family group. You know, Keith, what's your problem with this? Because here's the interesting thing. I could give you like one or two things to stop doing or start doing today, but if you want to go long haul, right, is, is be in a group to where you are active and open and encouraging and you're putting your heart against the word and they're putting their heart against the word and you're helping one another grow. Okay? The person I am at home is different than what others see. So sometimes that's always the scary thing is we, we hear stories periodically, you know, and it's usually other places where you're like, I never knew that was going on under that roof. We, we, they, they make TV shows about it. Right? Where you going, oh my goodness, they were like the all-American family. They were the perfect family. And every time they were at church and they were smiling and they were happy. All right? And there are things that happen under our roof. And I'll just give you an example. When we were young teen ministers, I mean, parents told teenagers to come to the group and they said, don't say what happens here at our house. And just like a normal teenager, they did. Okay, so if you're trick, it does. It really doesn't work. Okay, but anyway, uh, but it's this idea of just answering this. And and the final one is, I'm a person of prayer. I find that these thought questions are helpful for me for a couple in a couple ways. When I answer these and I look at them, it's really hard to look away, right? Because I take away kind of all the stuff around me. And start looking at like the root system of my own life. And when I start looking at it, I'm like, man, I don't really spend extra time doing anything in the Bible. You know, I'm not really connected with my family group. 
I don't study the Bible with anybody in my family group. I'm one way at home and another way in public. And I don't pray that often. Okay? Again, don't hear this as, man, see, you can't do anything right. That's not what I'm saying. Is what we're trying to do, though, is for, for us to be on the same page with God because in His Spirit, His Spirit can transform us and change. And, it, and the beautiful thing about it is, is oftentimes that change is a great blessing, too. It's, it generally isn't. Oftentimes we think it's going to be painful. It's generally like a great blessing. Okay? And so these are where we are right here. We're done with 1 Timothy 5. Again, here's my hope is that this is a very short book that we're reading it through every single week. Read it through. 1 Timothy 1 through 6. Just keep reading it through because we're going to, hopefully, again, we want to be a church that's conforming ourselves to this, not just like, hey, we're just going to kind of do our own thing. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.